Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. I'm on with Sam Hargraves on... A very good evening, everyone. Welcome along to Time On as we get your views on the latest sporting news while you drive home on this Thursday night. It's a good buzz around, I think, with spring in the year, although where I am in Melbourne, it's absolutely bucketing down with rain. Quite typical. You can't really predict the weather where I am in this city. Melbourne Cup week, of course, on the horizon. The NBA continues to rumble on. What a story. Josh Giddy. we'll talk about that in just a moment. Sheffield Shield cricket is still initiating selection discussions as well with a triple header currently in play there. So there's still a lot happening in the world of sport. Damian Watson's my name, filling in for Sam Hargraves in the chair tonight, and feel free to call in at any stage. one 736 736 The lines are open to have your say on the news of the day. You can text it as well on the Temper text machine, 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. And just on the NBA, how good was Josh Giddy today? The 19-year-old Australian, from Melbourne actually, became the youngest player in NBA history, aside from LeBron James, to bit in the way. Given the fact that the performance is in that globally renowned competition with the status of the NBA, where does that effort stand when it comes to breakout performances by an Aussie athlete in any sport? one 736 736 to ring in or you can text it on the temper text machine 0433 As we said, still plenty of scope for development given he is just 19 years of age and he's shown progressive signs of development in his early days of the NBA, but that's certainly a breakout game for the against the LA Lakers and a reminder they trailed at one thunder by 26 points they were down 41 to 19 by 22 at the end of the first period and managed to come back and prevail and Giddy was one of the formidable factors in that victory still plenty of news headlines around 1-300-736-736 just to run through those South African cricketer Quinton de Cox's refusal to take the knee at the T20 World Cup certainly divided opinion in South Africa and it's reportedly motivated by the governing body making it compulsory for the players to take the knee I know Sam touched on this issue last night but still happy to take your calls on 1-300-736-736 people often say that sports shouldn't be intertwined with social issues but at the end of the day they're always going to be reflective of one another. That's just the nature of the beast. Uh, Grant Elliott, former New Zealand cricketer of South African heritage, had his say on Gerard Waitley's program this morning. Let's take a little bit of a listen to that. Um, for me, it's just a roll of the eyes. I'm, you know, brought up in South Africa for 20 years of my life. And, um, you know, Quinton de Kock now is 28, turning 29 this year, I think. He would have been two uh, when apartheid actually finished. So, 
you know, like me, um, you know, I, I don't see colour. Um, I, I definitely don't have a, uh, a racial uh, inclination um, or an inclination as a sportsman to be involved in any form of politics in sports. You know, the reason why I took up cricket was because I love hitting a leather ball around a cricket field. And I just don't feel like there's, there should be room for politics in sports. And particularly the South African cricket boards telling players and instructing players what to do. And, I mean, we don't know what Quinton de Kock, um, you know, his, uh, his reasons were. But I'm sure that we'll find out. And, yeah, I, I just think that it was probably because he just thought the board keeps telling us what to do and I'm sick and tired of it. So interesting point of view. I tend to think, though, that sport and politics, regardless of whether they should mind, always seem to be. It's just the way it is because of the influence that sport has in society. That, that's just my point of view. It's, I guess, a little bit of a contrast to what Grant Elliott said there. A couple of callers coming in. We'll get to those in a moment. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Give you a Sheffield Shield update as well, as I said before, a triple header today. And there's a lot of discussion around Usman Kawaja. Two consecutive Shield centuries now. He scored 119 off 184 deliveries for Queensland. And he's starting to put himself in the frame it's an interesting one with Usman Kawaja. I guess the common criticism is that he doesn't perform as consistently as he would like at home while playing on Aussie soil. I know he had that fantastic, uh, I think it was a brilliant innings he played against Pakistan a few years ago in the UAE. It might have been in 2018, where he does show that he is capable of holding out and, and being a bit of a pillar for the Australian batting lineup, but just doesn't show it consistently enough. But he has been more consistent at shield level this season, certainly compared to last season. Amartus Labashane he just continues to score runs, 136 off 208. Matt Redshaw scored an unbeaten century, 120 off 167. And Queensland declared at 6 for 487. And currently Tasmania in response in that match in Townsville as we head towards the end of day two over there. Of course, Queensland an hour behind where we are on the eastern coast. Uh, well, Queensland, of course, on the eastern coast, but in the Victoria, New South Wales time zones. Queensland are an hour behind in daylight savings. Jordan Silk at the moment at the crease, 44 not out, along with Boom Webster, the big two-metre tall man, 16 off 45, forging a little bit of a partnership, but the Tasmanians probably still on the back foot, therefore, for 145 from a bowling point of view. Uh, Matt Kuderman with two for 43, also wickets to Sandu and Connor Sully. And from a Tasmanian point of view, when they were bowling at Queensland, the wicket-takers there, well, it was shared around. Riley Meredith, the only multiple wicket-taker, two for 59, one wicket apiece to Gabe Bell, Lawrence Neal-Smith, Bo Webster and Jared Freeman. Just in the other matches, WA taking on South Australia. The Redbacks were bowled out for 128 and currently Western Australia with the upper hand significantly there. Two, uh, six for 256. Darcy Short and Joel Paris at the crease. 23 and 2 not out respectively. Hilton Cartwright's been the standout thus far. 73 before he was dismissed. Cam Green scored 61. The South Australian bowlers, David Grant, has been the standout there with 3 for 61. Nathan McAndrew with a couple of wickets to his name as well. And in the match at Dremoyd Oval, Victoria, well they knocked New South Wales over for 151 after they themselves were bowled out for 199 in their first dig. So Victoria currently in their second innings. They're going along okay. One for 75. They lead the Blues by 123 runs with still nine wickets in hand. At the crease at the moment, Marcus Harris looking very, very comfortable. 41 off 103 and Peter Hanscom impenetrable as well. 26 off 86 deliveries after James Seymour, the opening batsman was dismissed for just eight. And from a bowling point of view, certainly the standout was Scott Boland. Just keeps on keeping 
keeping on, doesn't he? Four for 34, his figures. Mitch Perry taking a couple of wickets along with John Holland, uh, while Will Sutherland and Matt Short took separate wickets between them. John Holland with two for 46, his figures. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's take your calls. Robert's on the line from Ivanhoe. He wants to have a chat. Yeah, good evening. I just want to make a comment. I think all sporting bodies want to take a good look at themselves because Philadelphia Sixers, they're, they're actually licking their wounds now because I'm not playing the mental health card, but um, all the comments after that match last year that are knocked out of the championships, uh, look what's happened now. He's got issues. Um, too many people have made comments and now they're running for cover. They should have a proper policy with each sporting group to make sure that they redirect it to someone in the club to make comments on anything to do with the club because they need to learn from that, even if he didn't have mental health issues. Um, when you look at it, why would you blame him for not wanting to play with that club now for what they did to him after that game? Mm. Well, just to, I guess taking a devil's advocate point of view from what others have said, do you think Ben himself has handled it in the best way because he's come under criticism as well as the franchise itself? Motion speaks volumes, but himself. But having said that, I don't think after the game, emotion speaks volumes. But you shouldn't be commenting about, you know, the whole club had a go at him. He's probably done stuff wrong too. But you should try and be professional within a sporting group like a professional franchise team like that. Should should bite their tongue and you know fix their argue their dirty laundry within themselves, mm. but don't come out in the broader spectrum of the public and start doing what they've done there. They're not professional. Like, Ben's probably not professional, but um, it's really wrong that, you know, they've all had a go at one another, and, you know, the unfortunate thing now is he's had some counselling, and um, now they're trying to um, not find him and get behind him and all that. I think we can learn a lot from this. Oh, that's a fair point to make, is that certain comments can initiate a pile-on. If it's done within the franchise, it can initiate a pile-on from the outside, can't it? Absolutely, and I know I know the media got to play their role and the re- reporters, and you can get sporting people at the most fragile moment to make a comment, and that, that, that sells news. But at the same time, um, I think they should learn that they can expect any question at any time and just turn around and say, well, I'm not going to comment on that and just talk about something else. What did you make of the Josh Giddy performance, uh, seeing as you follow the NBA? I mean, I guess it's somewhat unprecedented. We've had Aussie star in the NBA before, as we know, and Ben Simmons himself has had, despite the recent uh, situation, has had his fair share of success. But for a 19-year-old to come in and do that, I know he's gained some publicity gradually over the last uh, few months in particular from an Australian point of view, but he's starting to become a bit of a household name. I guess it's still early to say what he's capable of, but uh, to produce a... I'll just say, I won't say who I am. I I played at a high-level basketball myself and I played with a champion person way way before his time, dribble both hands, shoot. Brendan Joyce, who was the assistant uh, coach of the Broomers and he he played AFL, North Melbourne. Barassi wanted him to play. He's pretty humble, Brendan. But tell you right now, Giddy, he's playing... He's not playing against the NBA. He doesn't think he's playing against the superstars. He's going there and he's just playing. There's a big difference, maturity beyond his years. He's going there and having fun and just smashing it.
well, just absorbing the pressure, and that's the thing. It's it's easy as a youngster in particular to get overawed by where you are, but he, he seems to have that composure. And I think Andrew Gage mentioned before earlier today that he seems to read the play as well before it actually happens. He has that basketball now. So I'm not sure. I mean, Brendan Joyce himself has a lot of coaching experience. I'm not sure if you can coach certain elements like that. Sometimes it's innate, don't you think? Well, what they need to do now is... Tip with this on Tuesday morning on the way to a game. I'm deeply sorry for all the hurt, confusion and anger that I have caused. I was quiet on this very important issue until now, but I feel I have to explain myself a little bit. For those who don't know, I come from a mixed-race family. I have half-sisters of different persuasions, not just because there was an international movement. The rights and equality of all people is more important than any individual. So that's a statement there just released by Quinton de Kock within the last 10 minutes. So certainly an interesting one, and it's ignited a series of debates over in South Africa and I guess right across the cricketing world. Speaking of the T20 Cricket World Cup, Australia are in action. It's probably been lost in all of this, but the Australians are in action from 1am tomorrow morning against the Sri Lankans, who are, I guess, a little bit enigmatic in the way they play T20 cricket. Can be a bit inconsistent, a bit like the West Indies. I mean, we see the West Indies be rolled for a pretty meagre total, and Sri Lanka can be the same when they're competitive and at their best. They can challenge anyone in all limited forms of cricket. When I say limited forms, the limited overs their attitude and, and also just performance. But uh, there are some days absolute peak in terms of their attitude and, and also just performance. But uh, there are some days where they probably let themselves down. So it'll be interesting to see which Sri Lanka comes out against the Australians, who they themselves, it's been widely talked about in the lead-up to this T20 World Cup. Australia's T20 international record is not necessarily the greatest, but uh, they started off well at least with victory over the South Africans. Just a text message coming through off the temper text machine. M says how long will we have to take the knee? One, two, five, ten years? Common sense has to prevail eventually. Let's get education and teach tolerance as a norm from early child schooling. I don't mind the knee because ultimately it raises awareness to an issue. And I know it's not necessarily the, the most tangible thing to do. I think there's more tangible things to try and take a stand against racism like education like addressing certain issues that come up in various parts of society, whether it be sporting clubs or elsewhere. But uh, having said that, raise awareness. That's just the nature of the beast because of the amount of profile and publicity that a sporting athlete does produce and uh, does ignite. So that's just the way it is. Whether an athlete likes it or not, they do set an example. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. You can text it as well. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. More news to dissect on the other side. You're listening to Time On on SEN. Damien Watson filling in for Sam Hargraves on this Thursday night. Welcome back. Damien Watson filling in for Sammy Hargraves on this Thursday night. Hope you're enjoying the drive home. I know people in Melbourne maybe not so much enjoying the drive home given the wintry, inclement weather that they have to endure, but... All the same, it's good to have your company. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. You can text in 0433981116 off the temper text machine. Certainly a lot coming through in regards to the Quinton de Cox statement, which was released in the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, this one from Jetta in Wangaratta. Brilliant by de Cock. Wish he had taken the knee, then said to cricket, South Africa, get stuffed. I'm not a racist and stressed all those points thereafter. What a weird bunch of control freaks cricket South Africa fraternity 
can be, says Jezere Wangaratta, also off the SMS Toadie and also Oscar in Frankston saying uh, the knee kneeling can be a little bit sickening uh, or I'm getting sick of it. I think it's what it's uh, meant to say there off the temper text machine. Yeah, look, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think Quinton de Kock is racist in any way, shape or form by not taking the knee, but I'm not against... I think it's a good thing to take the knee in the sense that it does raise awareness towards a pretty valid issue throughout not only the sporting world, but throughout the world in general. And whether you like it or not as an athlete, you kind of do have an obligation. That's just my point of view. I know people will disagree, and that's fair enough. But I think you do have an obligation to try and champion the cause. But it's got to obviously come up against the fact that you can't really force someone to believe something either or take a particular type of stance. So I understand that individual independence that athletes want to have uh, when it comes to issues like this. Paul has rung in from Camberwell. How are you, Paul? Oh, good evening. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. That's good. Um, you're sort of a, you're a half class four and a half class empty there with your opinion. That's fine, most people. Well, I know it's sitting on the fence, but you got to, I do understand quiet. both points of view, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the statement he read out was pretty uh, tremendous. I thought the text message after he read out that statement was pretty um, awesome as well. And, um, you know, this, he, yeah, I, don't sit on the fence. I mean, you can't... It, just by taking a knee or not taking a knee doesn't classify anyone racist or otherwise. No, I agree with that. It's not a racist act not to take the knee, but it's more of a case of, well... By not taking a knee, does it reflect that people can get the wrong idea? You, you know what I mean? Because if you don't take the knee, people will think, oh, he's not a champion of the cause. Yeah, I do. I understand that. But in the same breath, you're saying if they don't take the knee, that's okay. So, look, well, that, I'm always, saying it doesn't reflect, you shouldn't be classed as a racist yeah. just by not taking a knee or taking a symbolic stance. You are classified as a racist if you undertake a racist act. That's just my view. Everyone's entitled to an opinion, and most people's opinions are silent. Um, but anyway, I just think that it's a little bit ludicrous. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I, it's gone too far, and um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I, I think each and every individual knows potentially whether they have racist beliefs or, or not. And so you, I think it's just gone a little bit over the top. That's only what I think. OK, well, you're certainly entitled to have your opinion, Paul. I think, though, it's important to champion the cause of removing racism as much as we can, I guess. So that's that's ultimately... I think we can all... I think most fair-minded people can agree on that. Uh, Paul, thanks very much for ringing in, mate. All the best. Take care. Paul from Camberwell there. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to rig in. You can text it as well on the temper text machine zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. That's not the only news going around. Uh, just in regards to the NRL, Corey Norman's reportedly in talks with the Newcastle Knights about replacing Mitch Pearce. Ange Postacoglu has guided his reinvigorated Celtic side to victory over Hibernian to register their fourth consecutive win, and they've moved up to second now, Celtic, in the Scottish Premiership. And Barcelona, meanwhile, they've sacked their coach. They're sitting in a meagre ninth position.
action at the moment in the La Liga competition. Also, this is an interesting one. I know a lot of vaccination debates have been going around in regards to the tennis and also the AFL. The NRL taking a somewhat different stance to the AFL in that unvaccinated NRL players could be free to return to train with their teammates from December the 1st. Also, defending Melbourne Cup winning jockey Jai McNeil has confirmed he's going to reunite with Twilight Payment for Tuesday's big race. Meanwhile, Melbourne Cup contender Away He Goes has been ruled out of the race with a tendon injury, which is another blow for jockey James McDonald. And I mentioned Josh Giddy before. For those who missed it, for the Oklahoma City Funder, the 19-year-old Australian registered 18 points, 10 assists, which is, aside from LeBron James, a record in terms of the youngest player to do so in a match in NBA history. Took it up to the LA Lakers and they prevailed the Funder 123-115. to Meanwhile, Jimmy Butler contributed 17 points with the Miami Heat downing Kevin Durant's Brooklyn Nets lineup 106-93. to I may as well run through some of the NBA scores from earlier on today. The Charlotte Hornets defeated Orlando 120-111. to The Washington Wizards claimed victory over the Boston Celtics 116-107. to The Atlanta Hawks picked up a thrilling three-point win over the New Orleans Pelicans 102-99. to Toronto hammered the Indiana Pacers 118-100. to The Minnesota Timberwolves just got over the line against the Milwaukee Bucks 113-108. to And Sacramento with a 110-107 to win over Phoenix. A couple of other results coming through in the afternoon Australian time. Portland absolutely hammered the Memphis Grizzlies 116-96 and the Cavs, Cleveland, defeated the LA Clippers 92-79. So some of the results coming through there in the NBA and also the AFL, that doesn't go away, does it, even at this time of year? And I guess the main point coming out of the AFL news today, Mason Cox setting up to sign a contract extension at Collingwood for one year. Happy to hear your thoughts, Pies fans, by the way, as to whether he plays more time in the ruck or up forward. Obviously, with the departure of Max Lynch, that's probably been a lifeline for his career at Collingwood. And... I guess he's been prone to inconsistency over the last couple of years where he hasn't got into the game, maybe with the exception of that first final of 2020 going back against West Coast. Remember, he bobbed up and kicked three goals in the space of three minutes. And I guess that's something that he has to improve on, his consistency and output throughout the entirety of a game rather than just confining it to maybe one quarter of brilliance. But he's shown that he can be an influential forward before. You go back to 2018, obviously, that prelim final or a couple of other games that year where he dominated. So he's just got to recalibrate and reignite those qualities once again and that contribution to a game. Also, Jacob Townsend is an interesting story, isn't he? He's been delisted by the Gold Coast Suns, although they're considering redrafting him as a rookie. And Townsend, of course, played 62 games. He's a bit of a Simon Minton Connell in a way. Uh, Four clubs, uh, GWS, Richmond, Essendon and the Suns. And if this is the end for him, if he doesn't get redrafted, I guess Tigers fans will remember him fondly in terms of his legacy for coming into the side in round 22 of 2017. He kicked 16 goals in the ensuing five games on the way to that drought-breaking flag a few years ago. So it's an interesting story, isn't it? And speaking of the Tigers, it's sad to hear that Ray Allsop passed away recently. He played 54 games for Richmond in the late 50s, but he's well known. He's got an OAM for this as well for setting up Vic Kick, which later became Oz Kick, and so many young footballers. I'm sure many of you listening at home are aware of Auskick as a program right throughout the country. Many kids have participated in that program over the years and I guess it's been a window to a lot of young footballers starting out and just harnessing that passion for the great Australian game. So Ray Allsop is one of the men to thank for that and he passed away. So we send our sincere condolences to his family. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's head to Tony who's in queue. How are you Tony? 
Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Um, interesting discussion with Quentin de Kock and the taking of the knee. Just like to express uh, an opinion, if I may. Yeah, far away. Tremendous. Um, it seems to me the debate is about whether the individual should be forced to take action um, for the greater cause, for example, in this case, taking a knee for Black Lives Matter, um, as opposed to the overall belief in having some empathy for people of, um, you know, our, our black fellow citizens who um, have had appalling and historic and systemic racism over a long period of time. So it, it, if you bring the two discussions and the two uh, debates together, it makes it extremely difficult. In other words, the right of the individual, as opposed to the decree, if you like, of a sporting organisation, whether it be Cricket Australia or South African Cricket or whoever, to be enforced to take the knee. If we look at the AFL situation, we... Um, as large, celebrate Indigenous Round, for example. And mm. and uh, I think overall it's been an outstanding success yep. to recognise our Indigenous community, our Indigenous players. And in Indigenous Round, as you know, all the clubs um, come up with a particular Indigenous um, uh, um, guernsey or jumper, yep. um, which looks sensational. But just imagine if there was a player in the AFL who said, well, look, I don't necessarily believe in that, therefore I don't want to wear it. So there are examples of where organisations have, if you like, have a philosophy of the team or a philosophy of the country, and they want that to be embraced by the players. And I guess if an individual player doesn't embrace that organisation or that particular belief then perhaps it would be best that um, they do stand down because uh, to be forced to do something they don't want to do doesn't make sense. But you would like to think that the majority in every case would say, look, it is a noble cause in context of and um, united we stand, divided we fall. But I think it's a tragic situation that uh, that obviously the Quinton de Kock situation in effect was policy on the run. I think that's basically one of the arguments that could be made that um, at one stage it was either you express yourself the way you want to, whether you take a knee, stand up, hold your arm up or just hold your hands in front of each other. Um, and then you had mixed messaging there, and then suddenly the cricket, uh, 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 South African cricket decreed that everybody must take a knee, and it was kind of obviously took people by surprise, and it could have been managed a lot better. Yeah, I see your point of view, Tony. It's an interesting one. This is where the debate comes as to whether inaction, inaction, I guess, is enough to constitute believing in racism or anti-racism, whichever way you want to go. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, I, I don't think... At the end of the day, you can take any... As long as you're part of the cause, you can take any action you want. You shouldn't be necessarily... I think it would be very educational to take an action. Good to have that solidarity within a team. But whether inaction in that sense, in that particular way that the governing body wanted, is enough to constitute racism, that's up for debate. I do agree with you that it is definitely up to debate. It's not a, it, it's not cut and dry. I agree. Um, I, These I, things are never cut and I dry. Think, yeah, I think it's a very valid point that you make, and um, maybe some people are taking the attitude that it is cut and dry, and uh, and if you don't take a knee, therefore, well, you could extrapolate from that argument. I think would be grossly unfair. It's just a shame that um, there can't be consistency. But if it if it isn't to be, it isn't to be.
Yes, uh, it's always a lot of layers to these debates. But, uh, look, at the end of the day, he's very, very clear in his statement that he's against racism in every way, shape or form. It's just the manner in which you express it that people, I guess, have differences of opinion on. Uh, Tony, appreciate your call, mate. Thanks very much. Thank you. Tony from Q there. Off the SMS, Chops from Cheltenham says, Damien, how would you like to be forced to take the knee every time you rock up to work at SEN? Sports people are there to train and play. Life is hard enough for them without becoming political pawns for people pushing their own agendas. Well, no, it's a little bit deeper than that. Uh, Racism shouldn't be treated as political. Racism is something that we should stamp out in all parts of life. It's not just a political statement. It's more than that. It's something deeper, and uh, that's why I'm in favour of taking the knee and if I was to be asked to do it I would do it uh, just in in the terms of solidarity whether people would agree with that I'm not sure uh, that's that's up for people to judge but at the end of the day though I don't have the influence that an international cricketer does that's why it makes a difference when a team on the international stage does take that stance because it's symbolic of a particular cause which I think should be initiated throughout society, whether someone should be forced to do it or not as a mandate, I guess that's another question, but it's something that I would believe in uh, to kneel down and take that solidarity stance against racism. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. Getting very, very philosophical tonight. You can text it as well, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text machine, T-E-M-P-U-R, that is a mattress like no other. Damien Watson filling in for Sam Hargraves on this Thursday night. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday evening, early Thursday evening. Damien Watson to the chair for Sam Hargraves tonight. And just a quick update. There's still the continuation of the Shield match between WA and South Australia because of the time zone difference. They're a few hours behind in WA. The Warriors are currently 6 for 265 in their Shield clash. South Australia, of course, were bowled out for a pretty meagre total of 128. So certainly WA with the upper hand. Darcy Short, it's an interestingly conservative innings from him. Usually he's a big hitter. 23 off 74. Joel Paris with him at the crease. 11 off 17. Hilton Cartwright and Cam Green with a standout. 73 and 61 respectively. And it stumps in the other two matches. Queensland in a dominant position so far. Six declared for 487. Tasmania in response four for 150. It stumps on day two up in Townsville. And at Dremoyd Oval, Victoria have the upper hand against New South Wales at the end of play today. Victoria one for 75 in their second dig after they bought New South Wales out earlier for 151. So Victoria lead by 123 runs with still the nine wickets in hand. one 736 to rig in about your, I guess, gripe or uh, opinion about something that's happened today in the world of sport. Uh, I should mention also in regards to cricket, the T20 World Cup. I love the Middows playing. That's one of the highlights for me. And they really should have had it in the ODI version of the World Cup a couple of years ago. Uh, the ICC got rid of them and reduce the amount of teams involved, which I think was pretty poor in regards to the spirit of the tournament. But it's great to see a lot of the Middows back in the T20 format. And Namibia actually defeated Scotland by four wickets. I still remember the last time I watched Namibia play was against Australia at the 2003 World Cup. And I think Glenn McGrath from memory might have taken seven for 19 in that match. And Australia, of course, won easily. But that's one thing that springs to mind. It's good to see them get a win against Scotland. They've been around for a little while, not in any of the major tournaments aside from the World Cup. They were in the 1999 ODI World Cup, I remember uh, just over 20 years ago when it was held in the UK. And Namibia 6 for 115. They managed to chase down the total set by Scotland 8 for 109 with about 5 deliveries to spare. 
just off the SMS, a couple more coming through. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Some interesting ones on the Quinton de Cox situation. Uh, Ian from Flemington says the T Twenty World Cup is a Mickey Mouse cricket tournament. Oh, I don't know about that. I think it's still it's starting to gradually gain in status. I agree, it doesn't have the same status as the Indian Premier League or probably most of the domestic T Twenty competitions because you don't see the players getting as excited in general about playing for their country in the T Twenty format as they do for say the Test format. But at the same time given it is a World Cup, I think it is gradually growing in stature. I'm not sure if it'll ever reach the stature of the 50-over format of the World Cup, but appreciate your text message, Ian, there from Flemington. Let's head to Billy, who's in Ascot Vale. Just before we do, though, in the lead-up to McCappy Day, Saturday, November the 13th, you can grab a pair of silly socks from Maccas for just $5. All profits go towards helping seriously ill kids and their families at the Royal Melbourne Children's Hospital. Available at participating restaurants while stocks last. So let's head to Billy who's at Ascot Vale. How are you, mate? Yeah, hi, Damo. Um, yeah, just a quick uh, question. Uh, we've had um, Josh Cavallo, soccer player, today yes. who came out and actually said he's gay. I'm just wondering if that's going to affect his game a little bit. Uh, I know it shouldn't, but I know how fickle A-League supporters are, especially like uh, the victory and all that. If um, he misses a goal or makes a mistake, if he's going to cop abuse over the fence about being gay now or is that sort of going to deter him or is he ready for that? I suppose if he's come out to openly say that he's gay, I suppose he, he knows and know there's probably going to be something coming over the other side of the fence. But I just wonder if it's going to affect him in any way. Well, only he can answer that as an individual, but given that he's willing to come out and, and speak publicly, I think suggests that he's very strong-willed and he's championing the cause, I guess. So I think it's fantastic and I think he is well-served. I don't think he really knows or anyone really knows what sort of response he's going to get, but I'd like to think that we've moved on in society from what we would have experienced maybe 20 to 30 years ago. He's not the first... I mean, he's the first professional footballer in, in that code, obviously, not only in Australia but in the world to come out. He's not the first in any of the Australian codes. I think, was it Neil Roberts that came out in rugby league back in the mid-90s? So there is yeah. a precedent uh, in that sense. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, um, I look good on him for coming out, but as you said, that's the first um, soccer player, so it's pretty major major news, but I was just wondering, you know, because I know how they daily support it, pretty fanatical, and I mean, I just know, I remember victory crowds. I'm not just saying particularly victory, but any, any other opposition team, but just where they he's ready or I'm sure there's, I mean it shouldn't happen but I'm sure there's going to be someone saying something stupid during the season so I just all I just Ian Roberts I should say by the way I, th I think I accidentally said Neil Roberts Ian Roberts was the one who came out from rugby league yeah, sorry to interrupt Ian Roberts yeah no Ian Roberts that's right he was the one who came out but as I said being the first one for soccer it's a pretty major thing so I just hope it doesn't affect him but I mean if he's and I will power strong enough to come out I'm sure he's um can handle anything that comes from the other side of the fence. But I just hope it doesn't turn him off or deter his game in any way because um, he is an up-and-coming player and I just hope that he's successful. And as I said, good on him. Everyone's got their own choices. But um, I just hope that he doesn't cop vile abuse uh, throughout the season from opposition supporters, that's all. Yeah, no, here, here, I agree, and hopefully uh, it doesn't come to pass, and you'd like to think people would call out on that abuse as well, but uh, it'll be interesting, certainly a very progressive move, and uh, hopefully we see more of that uh, courage, I guess, going forward. And I mean, it shouldn't really have to be an issue. I think there will come a time where it's no longer even treated as a big issue and it's considered the norm that people can comfortably do that sort of thing. Billy, appreciate your call, mate. Thanks very much.
Thanks, Good on you, mate. Billy from Ascot Vale. Josh from Sudbury wants to have a chat about Josh Cavallo. How are you, Josh? Good, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Yourself? Um, just, oh, yeah, not too bad. Just, uh, just with this news story, I can't even believe I'm saying it's a news story, but just on a call before, I think it's really important that firstly, as a culture, we stop using the word choice. It's not a choice. You don't choose to, to be attracted to one gender mm, or not. It's yeah. actually just the genetic makeup. It's how it is. There's no, there's no choice involved. You don't just choose one day to do, you know, to, to be gay. It's, it's, uh, it's something that's ingrained in, in people, but being a grade three, four teacher, a primary school teacher, I just can't believe that in 2021, it's still such a, it's even a talking point. Like, it, it just, it's sad, and it's a sad reflection on society, and in particular, you look at our women's competition, there are so many openly mm. gay players that are proud of that, and then you look at the men's competition, and we're making such a big deal because one player's decided to tell us that he likes a certain gender. It just drives me crazy. It should be about what he's doing on the field and nothing about personal choices. No, it's a good point you make. Uh, at the same time, though, it's a positive step, even though it is a big issue. At least it breaks the mould and it would encourage... I think the pub, the good side of the publicity, though, Josh, it will encourage others to be comfortable in, in making it public in, in their own sense, whether it be in some of the other football codes. Because it is a big deal when you're in the public eye, uh, in that sense, and there is no significant amount of precedent that comes before you, whether you agree with that or not. I, I agree it shouldn't be a big issue, but at the end of the day, when there's not as many precedents around, it's going to be a big issue. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on, mate. I'm just looking forward to the day when, it, when it's no longer publicised, but I think the young fella's got a real chance here to to kind of encourage all athletes to be who they are um, and it doesn't matter who you are or, you know, what gender you are or, you know, what your sexual orientation is. As long as you're a good person and a good citizen, I think that's all that matters these days. So hopefully we get to a stage when that's the case. Yeah, well said, Josh. Thanks very much for your in, mate. No worries. Thanks, mate. Josh from Sunbury there. Shane off the SMS saying that call absolutely spot on. Thank you, Shane, for texting through off the temper text machine. Paul Sebastiani will join us from Bed Deluxe on the other side of this break. You're listening to Time On. Damian Watson in the chair filling in for Sam Hargraves on this Thursday. And a big welcome back to Time On. Damian Watson filling in for Sam Hargraves on this Thursday night. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Still got a couple of minutes if you want to have your say about the news of the day in the world of sport. Time to check in with Paul Sebastiani for Bet Deluxe. It's probably his busiest time of year. How are you, Paul? Still awake? I'm very well, yeah. Just uh, crunching through all the form and uh, just looking over the uh, Melbourne skies at the moment. I don't think it's going to be like this on Saturday, thankfully. So uh, mm. good track awaiting for Flemington. That's right. Although on Saturday it'll be cooler, but I'm not sure if there is as much rain forecast as probably what we've seen over the last hour or so in Melbourne. And how is the market looking for the derby as well? Yeah, at the moment, well, Forgot You has been on the drift since the market's open with Bet Deluxe. He's been out to $4.40. Gunstock is now our favourite at the moment at around that $4.20 quote. Good money as well for Hitotsu. Number nine in the race. Race six, number nine in the derby. He's been the subject of good each-way support. It's been $9 into $6 with betdeluxe.com.au. So the best back runner in the derby at the moment is Hitotsu for Kieran Ma and Dave Eustace. John Allen in the saddle. It's a very dangerous combination heading into the Group 1s. One of my favourite races in the spring is the cool ball, where basically half the field part ways and they go to separate sides of the track. What's the market looking like there? 
They do indeed, yeah. In the Congo with the blinkers uh, for the first time is a $4.20 favourite, but Extreme Warrior has been very steady at the $4.40 quote. was a very, very impressive winner of the Blue Sapphire. I think he's going to start favourite as we get closer to the race. And then Artorias and Puel. Puel at the uh, $6.50 quote. Artorias at $9. And they round out your single-figure uh, odds in the Cornwall Stud Stakes. But uh, in the Congo, the favourite Extreme Warrior hot on his heels at the moment. Yes, and what about the Golden Eagle, which I guess is gaining stature even though it's at a different state? <laughs> it is indeed, yeah. $7.5 million worth of prize money. I think it's going to attract some pretty good horses and it attracts a very good one in I'm Thunderstruck. He's a $4 favourite at the moment with betthelux.com.au. But there has been good money for this Queensland Raider, Apache Chase. $13 into $7 with betdeluxe.com.au. You're probably going to go towards the front. I'm Thunderstruck looking to looking to run at home late. But, uh, yeah, I'm Thunderstruck the favourite at the moment with Betdeluxe for the $7.5 million Golden Eagle, Damien. Well, good luck for the week, kid. Happy punting to you, Paul, and hopefully you can stay awake as well for the next week because it's going to be your biggest week of the year, uh, probably in the next no. eight or nine days. Definitely, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Be a bit jaded by the end of it, but uh, good luck to all the punters out there. Uh, good stuff. Paul Sebastiani there joining us from Bet Deluxe. Spring racing specials every day. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. And just a reminder as well, I love championing this particular cause in the lead-up to McCappy Day. Saturday, November the 13th, grab a pair of silly socks from backers for just $5. All profits go towards helping seriously ill kids and their families at the Ronald McDonald House Charities, available at participating restaurants while stocks last. That's time on for this week, not only for today, but for this week as well. And we've got, I think at the same time tomorrow, uh, a different program. So we've got the racing to look forward to as well. Hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Damien Watson signing off. I'll be up with the Sporting Capital on the other side of this break. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.